everybody. Happy Thanksgiving one day early. It's Trevin McGee here from Lawrence.com with Eric Moline from ScenesTealers.com. How's it going? Not bad. How are you doing? I'm swell. Good. Oh, swell. I'm ready for Thanksgiving. I'm going to watch a lot of movies on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, we got those screeners in, so we can totally do that now. Being a critic is cool. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> such... <laughs> it's our one perk, right? Yeah, yeah. No one, no one takes anyone seriously and... Everyone goes see. Everyone goes to see Transformers anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, I gave one of the Transformers movies a good review. Yeah, we both like that one, yeah. but that's beside the point. This is what's going to happen. Um, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving movies. Yes, and then we're going to go over movie news. Okay, and then um, we're going to end it. But first, the very first thing we're going to do is talk about 127 hours. That's because, how long this podcast is going to be. Yeah, probably. It's how we feel for everybody else. Um, no, we're actually we're, we're going short today. Yeah, you know why? Because we're boring when we go long. Well, because we need to we need to compact it. We need yeah. to all right. It's right. like we're jumping into the trash compactor and Anyway, um, yeah, I'm gonna cut you off there so we okay. do go short. Right. Um, hundred and twenty seven hours, it comes out uh this week in Kansas City actually uh today, right? Yeah. And uh it'll be at Liberty Hall next week. So it's a preview preview review. Yes. But uh early review. Yeah. But go ahead and get us started. It's uh, it's okay. Danny Boyle. It's uh, his follow up to Slumdog. Yeah, uh, James Franco, who, who's all over the place this this uh, this fall with uh, General Hospital and General Hospital else. and Alan, Alan Ginsberg and writing novels and yeah, yeah doing everything. He's a Renaissance man. He's something. You know what? I'll tell you what. Here's the thing I like about 127 Hours. It's okay. based on a true story about this kid, Aaron Ralston, who mm-hmm. was a college student in his mid 20s and. Uh, he's out. He's out for a weekend. He's a mountaineer, but he loves being by himself, and he doesn't tell anyone where he's going. And sure enough, uh, he gets uh, his arm yeah. stuck under a giant boulder uh, and is trapped, like the title, for 127 hours. Sure. Um, now, with a setup like that, you've got. And the way I look at it, there's two problems. The mm-hmm. first one is it's not extremely visual to be stuck with a guy. Uh, you know, for 127 hours in this. Yeah. Uh, How long is the movie anyway? It's it's like 90 minutes. Okay, yeah, which that's it, about, could, it yeah, shouldn't have been any the, longer. The box, the the, the buried, the, the Ryan Reynolds movie. That's about the same length, and it's oh, kind okay, of the same buried, thing yeah. where he's stuck in. It's one set, and he's stuck in there for that long. So right, and so um, you know, uh, Boyle does a really good job of taking us outside of that a lot yeah. because he's having kind of premonitions slash hallucinations, mm-hmm. flashbacks, and things like that. Does um, he get surreal with any of those? He he gets a little surreal. I, Are there I, babies like crawling upside down on the ceiling? Or no, it's yeah. not. It's not Lynchian or or uh, you know. Um, uh, Gilliam like or anything like that. No, I, I here's the thing though. A lot of people are giving Danny Boyle a lot of crap because they're saying, you know, he's he's such a visual stylist and he's got all these modern techniques that he yeah, uses. Sure. Well, you know, frankly, uh, every single one of them in this movie mm-hmm. supports the story. He's not just doing it to show yeah. off. He's not like you know Brian De Palmaing it up mm-hmm. uh, just just to do it. And and honestly, and I love that stuff too. And he, when De Palma does that sometimes, but. Yeah, can't seem to make a good movie very often. But anyway, no, Boyle supports the story, uh-huh. so uh, I think that um, watching a film like this uh, with this guy trapped down here, it wouldn't have worked any other way. The second right. thing I wanted to say, can um, I say real quick, my favorite thing about Danny Boyle is that he looks like a Keebler elf. <laughs> it does look like a Keebler a little, elf, little happy elf. I just yeah. if I met him, I'd just pick him up. And he's like, got the British accent. Yeah, too, uh, hello, yeah. little tiny. So the other thing that I really liked about this movie is I think that there is a tendency. 
to over romanticize or or be overly melodramatic with yeah. uh, somebody that has survived an ordeal like this, somebody that's gone through this, and then put them up on a pedestal. And Boyle doesn't do that in this movie. I mean, yeah. this this kid, uh, you know, he's kind of lived a selfish life life up to this point, yeah. and uh, you know, he's got a girlfriend that he that he dumped, and and uh, he's hanging out with these other two girls, these hot girls, and flirting with them, and he just wants to go party and hang yeah. out, and and it just kind of shows. Uh, you know, it's it, it's not trying to make him out to be some larger than life hero. That's, and I think with Franco in the main role, yeah. that you, this it makes somebody like this who isn't like normally you wouldn't think that would be that much of a likable person. But yeah. you put him in it, and it works, and he brings a lot of character. You know, to that's it what too. bugged me about um, Into the Wild was that it was really hard to sympathize with Emil Hirsch's character because he, you know, had a family that loved him. He had people that cared about him. Yeah. And, you know, he walked away and was just reckless. Yeah. You know, and, and Chris McCandless, obviously not Emil Hirsch. But it, it seems kind of like, is it, is it kind of the same thing? I mean, is it hard to identify or sympathize with this guy because he, he was, you know, he acted so irresponsibly or he... It's not know, because of the time that we spend doing. with him later. But, right, Sean Penn, yeah. I agree with you. Sean Penn puts uh, in Into the Wild, puts that kid up on a pedestal. Yeah. Right, and he's like, "Oh, this guy's really trying something different. He's he's reinventing living today and all that kind of stuff." Right? No, you know, I mean, this this kid just he he, he got stuck in a in a crappy spot, and you know, he figured out a way out of it. Now, yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Let's yeah, talk so, about the way. So, in my screening, it. I probably should have led with this, and the buzz on this movie from the film festivals, from Telluride and Toronto and whatnot, is that uh, the grueling scene where he does finally free himself through violent means, and if you don't know what they are yet, then you don't know anything about this movie. I'm not going to spoil it, uh, except to say people were passing out. That was the that was the big hype about this film, right? Right. Uh, and it's, it's come out in other cities before. It's made its way here. And last night at the screening I attended in Kansas City, uh, that, that scene happened, and I heard somebody kind of like, ah! Ah! in the background, and I thought, oh, wow, somebody's really reacting to this. And then people are standing up and they're like, call an ambulance. And I'm like, oh, my God, it, it's happening here. Right. It just, and it was right after that scene. It was, yeah. it was that same moment. And this person had a seizure and had to get taken out of the theater. He, he walked out of his own on his own feet. Sure. But apparently I, I talked to the publicity people later and they said this guy actually passed out in the theater. And apparently he wasn't the only one. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so what makes that scene so in, intense? Well, it's not gore. Really? Yeah. Is it gory, though? It is a little gory, but it's not a lot. I mean, you know, the guy is jabbing a knife, and okay, spoiler alert. You have alert. to spoil it. Yeah. He, and if, yeah, he cuts his own arm everywhere. off. I mean, he cuts his arm off. on his face and everything, and he's, he's doing, you know. Uh, and he has to break his arm first, right? Right. And that is the part that really, not only have you been dreading this moment for the entire film. Yeah. But when it finally comes, it's really a combination of music and sound effects that, that, that Boyle puts in there. They're not exactly realistic either because when the bones are breaking, it's not just the sound of, of what you would think bones breaking sound like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually – It was like a harpsichord. Yeah, it's like a harpsichord. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's Darth Vader's, uh, voice. No, but it, it's, it, and I can't really describe it. You, you'll just have to see it, but you know what, what it really is, is it's a really dynamic piece of filmmaking. Is yeah. it my favorite movie of the year? No, but I'm glad I saw it. And I thought that, that Boyle did a lot with the story, a lot yeah. more than what a lot of other people would have done. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, people can make fun of him for all of his modern techniques and the modern music he was listening to. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid's a real upbeat guy. He's got a fish T-shirt on, you know. And thank God there wasn't any fish in the movie. But yeah, now, uh, now I'm just rooting for him to cut his own. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, but there's, uh, you know, it's it's of this time or of that time and of this kid, and it's that story. It's not, you know, the hero's story. So yeah. uh, I thought in that respect uh, they did a really great job with it, and and uh, Franco's really good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going overboard here, but it's it's a solid a solid movie and a solid okay. rock fist up. For me. Okay. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving movies. Yes. Let's talk about them. I'm going to talk about mine first. Okay. Um, because I sat through um, Thanksgiving. What you were thanks killing made, which was uh, uh, recent. I can't oh, remember really? the exact year. Is but it, it straight to DVD over. or? Yeah, I think it was straight to like the Walmart bargain bin. Nice. You know, dollar DVDs. Um, and it, you know, it, it was insufferable. Short, short <laughs> version. It was, it was the biggest pile of crap. Like just the, cr- just I. Oh, so bad. Wow. So bad. And it's not even an hour and a half long. It's like an hour and six minutes long. And the story is that this uh, pilgrim um, got cursed by an Indian. Of course he did. And the curse brought a turkey to life. (laughs) And uh, the turkey stalks the ancestors of this pilgrim every 500 years and murders them in all kinds of ways. The turkey does. The turkey does. Yeah. yeah. And the turkey talks. Like, it, it's, it, it talks. Is and it a it, creature? Is it no, like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really bad latex puppet. Yeah. Okay. And, like, there, there's no articulation in the face. And, I mean, it's the thing about it is, like, it's it's not – it knows it's a bad movie, but it's not it, not in a charming way, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. You know, like like Evil Dead 2. I love Evil Dead 2, and it's, it's campy and hilarious and self-mocking and totally self-aware. But at the same time, there's a certain adherence to quality based on the budget they have. Yeah. You know – they never, you know, Bruce Campbell's never wielding a cardboard chainsaw and pretending like it's a real weapon. And this entire movie is just trying to say, oh, hey, it's funny that we know that we suck because we didn't have any money and that's why it's funny. No, it's not. It's not funny. It's not good. And so the, the end result is just this crappy movie that tries to pretend like it's not or that it that it's intentionally so. And it's, right. it's not. It's just bad. Yeah. It's just bad. And, I mean, the opening scene is like this pilgrim well the first shot in the entire movie is a is a pair of boobs sweet and it's a pilgrims it's a lady pilgrim and she's running through the fields and what's what's chasing her what's chasing her and then she falls down and rolls over and the turkey's there and he says something like nice tits and then kills her wow that's the very beginning of the movie all right and um, I don't know. There's no one in it. There's I'm no. Kind of there's in. no one worth from mocking. that opening. Really? I'm kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in. Like to me, you would that think sounds so. like you would think so for a no. low budget. No. No. But it's not so. even fun. No, it's not even fun. Right. It's it's a slog. I mean, it's a slog. It's, it takes forever to get through, and it's only an hour and six minutes long. And I think at one point, I was watching it, and I got about thirty minutes in, and I stopped, and I was like, okay, I got. I gotta finish this. Power through. And so I, yeah, I, I did some, I did some stuff around the apartment and came back and 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 fired it up and finished it. But yeah, if you are looking for a movie to kill some time over the the uh, the long holiday weekend, um, or or if you just <laughs> or if you just hate football, um, it's on Netflix in instant. Thanks, killing. Uh, view at your own risk. That's wow. how I feel about it. All right, in thirty minute blocks. Yeah, yeah. Watch it in two thirty minute segments. 
and uh, hope for the best. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about good Thanksgiving. Well, movies. you talk about it, yeah, because I, I absorb all the shrapnel from these <laughs> from these just terrible movies. Uh, and, you know, one of my favorite uh, Thanksgiving movies um, is a movie that came out in 2003 called Pieces of April. Yeah. Uh, this movie was written and directed by Peter Hedges, who wrote What's Eating Gilbert Grape and mm-hmm. About a Boy. And uh, it's Katie Holmes is the main character. Huh. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a good good little movie. It was shot in 16 days on digital film. Uh, and Patricia Clarkson uh, got her first, I think, and only up to this point, Oscar nomination. Huh. Uh, for playing um, Katie Holmes' mother, and basically what it is is she's Holmes is kind of the dark horse of the family, and uh, you know she's like this little punk rock looking chick, and uh, you know she she's having the whole family uh, who who are very kind of suburban and judgmental come to her big city apartment for Thanksgiving, uh, meet her boyfriend who's black. I mean, it's just like you know there's a whole. A uh, uh, different set of values, kind of coming together with all. With so, all are her parents people. racist? No, but you know, it's just it's just that uh, you know she's she kind of represents this freedom and this mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know this this. She's a liberal city girl. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, but what I really liked about the film, besides the fact that uh, Stephen Merritt from the Magnetic Fields does the entire soundtrack, oh. uh, all those all, all of, some of his old songs and some new ones as well, is the dialogue. Really? And I think the reason that Clarkson uh, got this Oscar nomination is because she delivers it so well. Yeah. And and it's a really uh, a moving picture, but it's also really dark, and it has kind of this yeah. lashing, savage tongue that I really like. Huh. Um, and Hedges and, is a great writer, man. Hedges is a really great writer. I mean, Gilbert Grape, the dialogue is just so conversational and so casual in that movie yeah. that it's almost like they didn't rehearse. Yeah. I mean, he and and. and there's a script. I mean, he he wrote that. You yeah, know, and about a boy is a fantastic adaptation. Yeah, he had to change some stuff around to make that work as a movie, but I thought that was a great film. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, Hedges. Uh, he recently did a movie called Dan in Real Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with Steve Carell and, and Juliette Binoche and, and Dane Cook and Dane Cook. Yeah, it had moments. It wasn't it wasn't a great movie or anything. I never. I didn't see it. I I heard the ending was pretty bogus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, hey, let's talk about stumbling blocks. So, pieces of April, the ending, eh, yeah. not so good. Basically, what happens is, you know, they all come there for dinner, yeah. and then um, it just kind of rushes forward to the conclusion. It's it's interesting the way he presents it, and maybe he decided, you know, everything I've done up to this point has been different than things that you've seen in these kind of <laughs> movies before. So now that I have to do this, I'm just going to do it quickly and get it over with. Yeah, maybe that's what he thought. Either way, this movie has charm to spare, mm-hmm. uh, and and I know that there's a lot of Thanksgiving movies everyone's seen over and over again. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is still my favorite. Oh, uh, but Love but it. if you've seen that, and if you've seen some of these other ones, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, um, you know, that's um, a feel good holiday Home movie. For the holidays. It, well, if you've seen if you've seen those, uh, check out Pieces of April because it actually is kind of a feel good movie at the end. It's it's dark, but um, you know, once it gets there, it's. Uh, it's hard, nice and heartwarming. Oh, yeah. Okay. On the opposite side of the coin is Ang Lee's The Ice Storm. <laughs> Are you familiar with this movie? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. I don't know why, but I'm, I'm talking about Katie Holmes again. Um, you know, uh, she's in this. Um, Sigourney Weaver, Richie Posey, yeah. uh, uh, Toby McGuire, uh, Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Klein. This movie. Uh, Christina is, Ricci's in that too. Christina right? Ricci. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
This is a really somber drama, and it takes place in the early 70s when uh, people, the adults were still kind of uh, suffering from this this post-60s hangover, you know, like free love. And, well, you know, that didn't quite work out, and now they've all got jobs. Let's just have key parties instead. Exactly. So they've got key parties, and they're like, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Well, basically, the movie, uh, the adults are doing, you know, certain, certain untoward things, and then the kids... As a result, it's like these two little uh, groups of people, you know, and then you, they look and they see what the kids are doing. And, and Ang Lee just puts the whole thing together, uh, you know, in this this kind of confusing time. Joan Allen is also in it as well, and it's fantastic. Um, and it's just kind of this, you know, icy cinematography, icy performances, middle-aged selfishness. Uh, you know, it's not really um, something that you want to watch with the whole family. But if you're in the mood for uh, a nice uh, Watergate-era yeah. Uh, a drama with uh, a lot of great acting and a lot of people doing bad things to each other. The ice storm is perfect for you. And yeah, that's kind of the theme of Thanksgiving anyway. Just yeah. A lot of an ensemble cast doing bad things to one another. Uh, Nobody's Fool is a great movie with mm-hmm. Paul Newman uh, from 1994. Melanie Griffith, Bruce Willis. The Day Trippers is Greg Matola's first film, the guy that did Superbad and... Adventureland. Uh, Adventureland, yeah. Grossly underrated Adventureland. Yes. Terribly exactly. underrated. Uh, Tadpole is another movie that takes place around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with uh, Aaron Stanford. Uh, Sigourney Weaver again. And uh, The House of Yes uh, is a dark little twisted comedy. Is that anything Parker like Posey. Yes Man? No, Sorry, it's... Jim Carrey and... No, no. Zoe Deschanel? No, it's nothing like Yes Man, thank God. Um... But it does have Parker Posey being an evil, crazy bitch. Which yeah. is, she does that well. She does. And, you know, this was before she did it all the time and made kind of a caricature out of it. Yeah. So did you hear that Anne Hathaway is rumored to be the next Lois Lane? No. <laughs> In, true. What? In what? It's true as a rumor. Uh, in in Zack Snyder's Superman, mm-hmm. yeah, which I think we've talked about Zack Snyder's Superman like the last three podcasts. Yeah, in a row. And which is weird because, because I, I personally so I don't like Superman at all, so I don't know why. He Do keeps you like Zack Snyder? I love Zack Snyder. I love everything that he's done. Actually, I I am semi excited for Sucker Punch just because it looks so visually crazy. Yeah. Um, that if he can, if he can abandon, because he's he's leaned on adaptations and remakes for so long. Yeah. If he can abandon that and do something crazy that you know, tell his own story if he has one to tell, I'm there. You know, yeah. he's he, he's he's good at visually. He, he he makes visually interesting movies, but whenever you have to, you know, do emotional connections and things like that, yeah. he never. He's not so good. To, I'll no. give him I'll give him another chance. You know, because um, three hundred. <laughs> Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see the owl movie, the computer owls. Yeah, computer owls. Yeah. The legend of Gahul. Yeah. Guardi- guardians of Gahul. The guardians of Madrul. <laughs> no, I don't I'm like gonna... Snyder, so um but I approach every movie with an open mind because I'm a film critic. So we got we got Hathaway potentially there. What else what else is going on? Actually I got well, I I will drop one on you since drop you've it. been talking for drop so the long. Bomb. God. Movie um, news. Joss Whedon is not going to be a part of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer remake, and, and he's not happy about it. Yeah. Well, here, there's, there's, there's two things I have to say about this, ironically. Number one, mm-hmm. the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie that happened before the TV show sucked anyway. So I yeah. don't know why anybody would want to 
uh, try to reboot that um, without Joss Whedon. Um, and the other thing um, that I have to say about it is there's seven seasons of awesome TV viewing. So uh, what's the point, yeah. really? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, unless you you're take... going to do a giant fan service like uh, Serenity was, you right. know, and just, just really make it for the 10 people that wanted to see it, the 10 right. brown coats that were yeah. still hanging on, you know, well, someday. You know, I, I saw <laughs> I saw the article describing some of the ideas they had, and they're like, oh, it's, it's still the same old Buffy, except this is different, this is different, yeah. this is different, and these friends aren't here, and this, and it's like, oh, well, why are you even doing, it's a name, yeah. right? It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the name, the idea, good yeah. luck with it, you know, good riddance, honestly. All right. Uh, so my my uh, piece of news, uh, I saw the Harry Potter movie last week. And right, you talked about it. Very Said very good things. Uh, and one of the best things about Which it was this. Which I have to tell you, um, I haven't seen, but everyone I've talked to disagrees with you. Sweet. Yeah. I love it when people, people disagree with and me. And some of them are fans, and some have read it, and some haven't. But from oh, what I've heard, it's we'll just week. a lot of sandwiched, um, nonsensical exposition that doesn't need to be there. And uh, nothing really happens, and they don't really... Oh, God, I'm so sick. That is the worst thing. Nothing really happens in this movie. Nothing happens. Really. Okay, so you've got three characters with Mm -hmm. finally a chance to freaking breathe Mm -hmm. and, like, actually say something that they mean that that isn't attached to some microcosm of a plot point in a Rowling book somewhere that the filmmakers have to fit in to make these crazy Potter fans happy, right? Right. And... This movie actually has real characters, okay? Mm-hmm. So why don't you suck on that for a while and realize that you've sat through, you know, six movies of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, plot. I don't know. I'm just, uh, you know, here's the deal. I get pissed off when people say movies are slow and nothing happens because it's called character. Right. I mean, that's why we watch TV. Sh- that's why TV shows with with 23 episodes of these long you know, multi-episode arcs. That's why we sit through them. You know what I yeah. mean? They're not filled. I mean, have you watched Mad Men? Is there a lot of uh, plot points stuff going on in Mad Men? No, those those are slow TV shows. The Sopranos. What the hell happened in that show? You know what I mean? Right. Character. That's what happened. Harry Potter had character for a change, and everyone's pissed off about it. I don't like I just, that I series, wanted, and I, I thought this one was really good. I did let you go. Out. You, you angered me. You pushed the button. That's fine. The best thing I about think you're it. Wrong, but that's why. Otherwise, you haven't seen it yet, though. <laughs> I'm just trying See? to get you. I'm just trying to that's keep you good. angry. That's good. I do get pissed. Oh, uh, it's because I'm passionate. Uh, one of the best things in, in the new Harry Potter movie uh, is this animation sequence. Yeah, you were you raved about that. Yeah, and and obviously other people thought it was great too because uh, Ben Hilbon, I don't know, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. He's a Swiss filmmaker who did it. Mm-hmm. Just signed on to uh, do a full length. Uh, animated version of the Peter Pan uh, uh, legend yeah. called Pan, just Pan, right? Okay. Uh, rumor was at one point that uh, Guillermo del Toro was attached to it, but he's attached to like a thousand things. And yeah. He already did a movie with Pan in it, so um, yeah, this is going to come out, and and uh, I don't know, this guy's behind it, so I don't know anything about it other than that uh, was a really cool uh, short film in in uh, the Harry Potter movie. So this is. Uh, <laughs> This is kind of interesting, um, but basically, uh, Michael Moore made this movie called Sicko mm-hmm. a bunch of years back, and the health industry pounced on it, and everybody said, "Oh, it's full of inaccuracies and all kinds of things like that." And yeah. well, it turns out there was a whistleblower who came forth this week and said, uh, "Yeah, I was one of the people uh, in one of these made-up, uh, you know, organizations that sounds like it's non-political." 
Yeah. Uh, and, and it wasn't. We were completely funded by the health insurance industry. And, and we were created to, uh, to be the, the talking heads in the interviews that discount more on CNN and Sanjay Gupta's piece that he did about it. Yeah. And uh, I did a lot of research on more. And uh, the, the, the language that was used in all of our memos were, uh, we'll do everything short of pushing this guy on a cl- off of a cliff to, to discredit his film. That's how scared of it they were. And, uh, and he came forward and, and last night uh, met Michael Moore and, and, and apologized and everything. And you know what? I, whatever you think about Michael Moore's political uh, stance, the guy makes uh, very provocative films. And, and As long as you call him films. Like I, I get sick of him being called a documentarian because he's not. He's not a documentarian. Well, he, uses, you know. he uses real footage, but he's, he has a point from the very beginning. And so what he documents is is his, his point opinion. everything yeah. everything but, but in that every movie single serves documentary we've ever his. seen is one person's opinion there's an author behind the documentary yeah, but you don't just put things up on screen the way they happen you know because if you put anything on a screen and you're and you're panning left and right like ken burns all right so still, then when do, when does the that's being oh, well ken burns is a great example what's ken burns angle well, what's he? Know. What's he trying? Like, like in in what the the Civil War doc? Yeah, you know, he's got a thesis. He's got a thesis. He's trying to get a point across. Like, he's what? not just saying this happened here and this happened here and this happened here. He's he's putting it all together yeah. to create this pastiche, this idea of what he thinks the Civil War is. Okay. I'm just saying opinions are inherent. Okay, in so then, uh, so it's okay then that he uh, he doctored footage and, and edited stuff together out of. Um, uh, chronological order. Yeah, documentary, documentary filmmakers have been doing that since the beginning of time. Yeah. We watch we watch documentaries in film class it. from the twenties. Yeah. They were doing that right away. Yeah. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, made little uh, fake little propaganda films about him, you know, killing the tiger or whatever. Yeah, well, it's propaganda at that point. Exactly. Documentaries are propaganda. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is that documentaries, you have this idea that it's going to be this objective thing, and everybody seems to think that that's what they are, and they're not. And you know this as well as I do because we've made short films. Yeah. Every time, every editing choice. We haven't you made, made short documentaries. Every, no, but every camera choice you make, every th- every uh, uh, music choice you make, you're you're putting forth an opinion. The King of Kong is not a movie about a guy trying to get the Donkey Kong world record. It's a movie with a good guy and a bad guy, yeah. and that's the filmmaker's opinion. Oh yeah, they totally. I mean, they, they edit plenty of things together to make Billy Mitchell. I mean, he. He makes himself look bad on his own. He does, but they yeah. go out of and so then they to, go out of their way to make it better. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just think it's funny that Moore gets attacked all the time, uh, you know, for his facts, and you know he's got people triple and, and quadruple checking, you know, this stuff. And, yeah. And yeah, I mean, he distorts facts just like everybody else does. But um, it was interesting to see this uh, guy come out and, and see how scared they were. Uh, how did How did Moore take it when he met the guy? He said, uh, Man, you're, right. you're frankly uh, a kind of a hero for coming out, and I, I accept your apology, and thank you for you know, bringing this up again because people need to hear how corrupt the health industry is, especially right now when uh, health care reform is in danger of being uh, repealed. So uh, I think Sicko is one of his best films, actually, if not his best film. I so. th- yeah, I, I think I skipped that one. I think I saw – yeah, I did. I skipped it. I saw Capitalism, A Love Story, but I, I not missed Sicko. Film. Anyway, uh, and then I'm going off the books. I'm not talking about movies for just a second. This is an advertisement for a show that was on last night on FX. It's going to be running a whole bunch uh, in the next couple of weeks. It's on its last three episodes mm-hmm. of the season. It's brand new. It's called Terriers. Yeah. I've, and you and, and I have you, been talking about this. The show's too. great. 
It's, it's on the bubble, man. It's, it's getting it's, I know, ratings. I know. I'm worried about it. Sean, Sean Ryan, the guy behind the shield, is is in charge of it, or he's one of the producers, and then one of the guys that wrote the original Ocean's Eleven script. I can't remember his name right now. Yep. But Tim Minier's directing. He did yeah. A lot of episodes. They're, of so they're the two. They're the two creative leads on it, and um, it's a really great buddy detective show, but it extends way beyond. Um, just a different case each week. There's like an because over. There's an overarching. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, Rockford Files, that. or you know, you think it's going to be something like that, or Jake and the Fat Man, maybe. But no, <laughs> it's actually it's actually this really you know rich uh, story about these two guys that are best friends in uh, San Diego, and in the pilot, the pilot sort of jump starts this um, overarching storyline that that runs for the entire season. Um, but the best thing about the show is that. Each episode juggles that storyline with these uh, secondary and, and even tertiary uh, storylines, and they weave together just randomly. But it always works, yeah. you know. And, and it's just one of the best written shows. Donald Logue is um, uh, one of the stars, and he's fantastic in it in, in his role. And there's believable depth to the characters. I mean, hey, everyone's got this show's something going all on. about character. Yeah, it is. it's it's a, everything it's a great, that happens. It's a it's great not, show. It's not just mystery stuff, like you said. Yeah. it all goes back to who they are, yeah. their core values, what they. And it's great in. because, like, it's it's one of those it's one of those shows, kind of like um, you know, No Country for Old Men or, or Boogie Nights is one of those movies where you're sort of shown just a window of someone's life, and right. and then like the story goes on after. The credits roll, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened before the titles um, that got them there. You don't see anything or hear anything about it, but you get all these references to it while while you're watching. And there are just all these great references because you, you never you like you never learn how they met, you know. But then through dialogue over the course of God, how many episodes are they on like like nine or ten at this yeah, point? Ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah, over ten episodes just through um, auxiliary dialogue, you find out more about these guys yeah. and it's great it just never feels cheap yeah. and it's it just it's extremely well written yeah it's just yeah. A, really the best written show on tv so we're giving you guys uh terriers as a huge recommendation it's on hulu they run them a week delayed um and their fx shows are really good about um putting the entire season on just a couple of weeks or a month after it's ended but if you can Terriers is fantastic. And the other show, to, to piggyback off, since we're going to plug TV shows, Walking Dead. Watch The Walking Dead. It's, it's uh, I think they're, the fourth episode just aired. There's only six. Um, they're an hour apiece. Um, AMC is just outdoing themselves. And uh, it's based on the, uh, the comic book um, of the same name. And it's just this great story about the, you know, it uses zombies, um, uh, which you know, I, I thought before this show that I was just I was just done with the whole zombie craze, and you know, I was just kind of sick of of hearing about it and having to deal with it, and it got trendy, you know. And but this, I mean, it, it it's really it uses zombies really intelligently. I know that sounds stupid. Well, they've already exhausted a lot of the tropes that we've seen a million times in zombie movies, so yeah. I know that they have to be going to different places with it now. Yeah, and cool. I don't know. I mean, I I, I never last episode was the best one. I oh, I, I think yeah, I think it's the best one since the pilot. I think yeah. that the pilot was incredible. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it, at the at its core, it's a family drama. So, so you're you saying watch it's like that modern too. family? It's a lot like Modern Family. Okay. A lot like Modern Family. Speaking of uh, horror, uh, there's a new movie. Uh, I wouldn't even go as far to call Walking Dead horror. Okay. And you want to know why? I, because yeah. it, because I mean it. Like I'll I said, it, it uses that whole premise as a backdrop, so it's gory. Yes. I think it's gory. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's gross. Right. But it's not scary. I think it's more. It's 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 a, it's a family drama wrapped in this sort of post-apocalyptic landscape. 
and it's way more about characters trying to figure out how they rationalize themselves in this catastrophic environment. You know, how do you hang on to your humanity when you're surrounded by um, predators, when you're surrounded by things that are no longer human? And it'll be interesting because uh, the zombie movies that we've seen up to this point have obviously only had about 90 minutes to explore that. So yeah. uh, spread out over a couple seasons, it'll be interesting. Yeah, to it's see already it been picked up for a second season, which is great. And I think they're going to, I think the episode number doubled for the second season. So I think there's going to be 13. They're not to because that they're not in freaking Europe. Well, I really it's not just, the BBC. I wish Six it episodes? was. Man. What the hell? I want that. I'm, I like concise storylines. The best season of The Office was the first one because it was the shortest. And one more thing to think about on this Thanksgiving. No more things. This is the last thing. Okay. This is the the last of the news segment, and it's the last of our so podcast. Hard. Okay. Um, an actor who was on Ugly Betty killed his mother with a samurai sword while screaming Bible passages. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. 